Welcome back to Double Feature, the IDS film podcast where the powers that be let us in a podcast booth to give you hot takes and maybe some lukewarm ones too. I'm Annie Aguiar. I'm Chris Forrester. What are we talking about today, Chris? Alfonso Cuaron has quietly been one of cinema's most important artists for decades. His 2001 coming-of-age drama remains a triumph, and through a dystopic masterpiece, the best Harry Potter movie ever made, and a space blockbuster, his sensibilities and deep understanding of the human condition have remained steadfast. With his new film, the Best Picture-nominated Roma, he's come full circle. Today, we're talking about Roma and Itumama Tambien. Two of the best movies I've ever seen. Legitimately incredible. Like, I think that he did, it was Gravity, right? That was the Yes, one? Gravity yeah. was the space one, Gra- and yeah. um, Children of Men is the dystopia one, which is, for my money, his best movie. I've never seen Children of Men. Uh, the first Coron movie I ever saw was Gravity, which is, like, not a great introduction to who Alfonso Coron is. Yeah. Because that movie's just, like, okay. And... We saw Roma together. And I knew cinema. cinema. And Chris had seen Itumama Tambien before. I, I watched it yesterday for the first time. And I, I can confidently say that Alfonso Cuaron is one of the best, like, current, like, probably the best current working director in, like, the most recent slate of films. He's, he's just flat out incredible. He's amazing. I mean, both of these films, from the moment they begin until the end credits roll, I am not only locked in and completely invested, but I feel like I've been transported into this world. Yes. Okay. So do you want to talk Itumama first? Let's go in chronological order. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So Itumama Tambien, 2001. Yes. Is a story of two... They're 17, right? I think so. Oh, God. Two 17-year-olds in Mexico who embark upon a road trip with an older woman. And it's... Okay. It is a sensual and often kind of dirty. Oh, kind of kind dirty? of dirty there, okay, story wait, wait, about growing him. up and discovering your sexuality. Count them. How many sex scenes are in this movie? Two in the first five minutes. Yes. Uh, then three more. So there's five sex scenes in this movie, and you know when something is so gratuitously sexual, a lot of the time, if I'm watching a movie with that's just like, oh, this is just an excuse to show me like a butt. You know, and my housemate actually had never seen this movie before and she had heard about it and she was like, oh, yeah, isn't that that one where they just like have a bunch of sex and it's like she's older and it's like weird and she had never actually seen it before. And then we watched it and she was like, that was a lot better than I thought it was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I had a similar experience. I watched it with a friend, um, and I distinctly remember that we decided this movie over watching Goodfellas because she was like, well, I think Goodfellas is a little crass for tonight. And then we start this in the first <laughs> scene. It's like a f- like several-minute-long, unbroken take of people having sex. So. Yeah. I mean, we love being crass. But more than just a fun road trip movie with three people who have a lot of sex, like, it really is a touching look at coming of age. It is. And I think one of Coron's strongest assets that we see in Itumama and in Roma is his appreciation for context and connections. Because a lot of the time in Itumama Tambien, they'll just be these seemingly random, just like, hey, here's 
information about what's going on done in like a narration over and the first couple of times I was just like oh okay so I guess this is a narrated story but it really isn't it's just occasional asides that lend more depth to the world that is being created in the movie but it, it doesn't come off as an artificial depth because it does come from such a true place Yes, and like, I think um, the ultimate coronism or his like ultimate weapon is his long takes. They are so exceptional. Yes. Um, Roma, he shot himself. We'll talk about that in a little while. Ugh. But this, I believe, was shot by Emmanuel Lubezki, who, from what it's worth, I think is the greatest cinematographer who's ever lived. Oh, interesting. Um, he also shot The Tree of Life, which we recently talked about. <laughs> um, and I just think that his nature photography is always so breathtaking. No, it really is gorgeous and like i didn't this movie is better than it has any right being from its description like we talked about it is just remarkable and beautiful and it's also manages to be funny and lighthearted. You know? yeah it i mean i also remember there's another sex scene so six yeah there are <laughs> a lot but it, it really manages to sweep you up in this adventure the characters are going on and you feel like you've been transported along with them by yeah. the time it ends. And it is funny, it is sensual, and in the end, kind of devastating. Oh, yeah. Just talking about the nature of like our interpersonal relationships and how everything is fleeting. Yes. I think that's... I literally thought those exact same words. Everything is fleeting. Like One of the examples of the over-narration is... They spend some time with this man who's like a fisherman and then they're having a great time. And in the over narration, it's revealed that he soon the fisherman soon has to move away from his home and has to get a job and he never fishes again. And his life is so sad. But you don't know that in the moment or they didn't know it in the moment. We do. And with that kind of high hindsight and added context, everything does kind of get heightened. Yeah, I think it's such a beautiful way to take this story and what we're seeing and make us really appreciate how it's about living in the moment and feeling things as they happen because they're not always guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, Louisa. Oh, God. There's so it's on Netflix. So, like, watch it. It is so worth watching. Even if you have an aversion to movies that are kind of on the raunchier side. Yeah. It's explicit, but it never feels gratuitous or porny. What yeah, once you get past the I think the first five minutes are the most porny. Yes, there are know? definitely some scenes um once you get past the first five minutes, if you're okay with that, you'll be fine. I think is the rule of thumb with this movie. But it's just it's so much more than what it seems to be. And oh my god. One of the things when I was talking to Chris, I was texting Chris after I'd seen it, he was like, This is definitely a young man's movie. Yeah, I think that in his earlier films, Caron has more, especially here, more of a tendency to go with like more stylish sensibilities mm-hmm. that he kind of reigns in later. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a testament to how great both of the movies that we're talking about today are, that Itumama Tambien is more on the explosive and like stylish, you know, um, it has more artistic flair, whereas Roma is very reined in and controlled, but they're both like brilliant uses of that. I don't I feel like the images from Roma have lasted with me or like made more of an impact more than the images from Itumama Tambien in terms of just like shots that are 
like wow this is a stylish this is a visually interesting shot i yeah, think yeah i Crone's mean mastery as he develops oh sorry i just said something with my knee Crone's mastery as he develops i think like i'm trying to remember shots from Itumama Tambien that were like wow those are good shots that some of the shots of like this it's sort of a signature of the cinematographer but the way that he captures like sunlight mm-hmm. I think that always sticks with me and some of the scenes on the beach at the end have really lasted with my me. favorite shot from Itumama Tambien is Luisa the older woman is in a phone booth on the phone with her husband who isn't a great husband and the door has kind of like a window in. So her door is closed because she's in there. And the next booth over, the door is slightly ajar. And in the reflection of that little window, you see the two guys playing pool or something in the background. So it's directly juxtaposing in such an interesting way that I hadn't thought to put two images together like that of these two guys chuckling it up and her sobbing on the phone. Yeah. Like that shot is amazing you know not what you would expect from a delightful sex romp you know like yeah i definitely get what you're saying as far as like the imagery of Mm -hmm. roma tends to be more i think he just knows what he's doing more yeah i think however like the storytelling in um in itumama tambien is more in your face whereas roma is very like restrained very subdued yeah no i get what you're saying but yeah excellent film Mm -hmm. i I loved it. I feel like I've loved it even more the more I've thought about it. Yeah, I, I definitely, I've only seen it the one time and it's going to be on my list of like, I need to watch this way more. Yeah. Because it's amazing. But, okay. Speaking of amazing. <laughs> you didn't I, say that's it the not right even, way. That's not even the right word <laughs> for aroma. Um, uh, I'm still. I think the the best that I can say about this movie is that when we saw it in the cinema, it was essentially a packed house. It was like every seat was full. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the end credits of this movie are long and no one moved. God. It was just silence. Like, not like bad silence, like stunned in awe of what we've just seen silence. The two guys sitting in front of me at the showing absolutely reeked of cigarette smell. And the movie was so like attention grabbing that I didn't even notice after like 20 minutes. Like it just... You know, this is such a beautiful work of art that I don't even care if you smell like you bathed in Marlboro's. <laughs> I'm here. You know, it was OK. So Roma is another story that's very heavily based upon Crone's own life. Like, yes, I believe yeah. it's the first film that he's made in Mexico since you Mama Tambien. Yes. Such a. Ugh, I love, I know it's kind of a cliche, but whenever you hear like, yeah, he really returned to his artistic roots, like that's what I love. But it tells the story of a housekeeper in who works in this home that's a wealthy, semi-wealthy family in Mexico City. And then the plot happens. And I was just so taken aback by it and just so spellbound and i think my immediate reaction was to text someone with this is the best movie that has come out in my lifetime that i have seen like i think that it's a movie i i'm almost at a loss for words for because it's so like narratively it's so simple Mm -hmm. stylistically it's so simple it's shot in black and white there's really there's not a score yeah there's 
not a whole lot of dialogue even. And yet I got so much out of it. <sighs> and I was so captured and transported by it and so moved by it. There's no part of that movie that was done poorly or shouldn't have been in it. Or it was just gorgeous and heartbreaking and inspiring and everything. And also beautiful. Corone, like we said earlier, was his own cinematographer for this. And you can just, there is love in every single shot. This is someone casting a critical eye upon their own childhood and their own circumstances of becoming because the main character, the housekeeper, is based upon a housekeeper that was in Quaron's home when he was a child growing up, you know, that he had a very close relationship to. So Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, the images in this film are so powerful. Like, they're not only visually stunning, but they just have so much, like, depth and meaning to them. The way that he even observes just small things like the shot of the lizard running through the dirt is just gorgeous. He really, you can tell that this film is so beautifully translated from his memories and yeah. that he has paid such remarkable attention to that place. It reminds me of the scene from Lady Bird where the nun is talking to her about growing up in Sacramento and how she's she's observed so much of the city even though she doesn't like it there. And she says, you clearly love it. And Lady Bird says, no, I don't. And she says, well, and they, they're talking about how much attention she's paid. And she says, well, aren't they the same? Love and attention. Ugh. Corone loves this. The opening shot of like, as the credits go over is, I think, maybe on my list of favorite opening shots I've ever really? seen. It's like you see the reflection of planes going up overhead in the water as someone is mopping the floor. It's really so gorgeous. Oh my God, that was in the trailer. And the second I saw that, I was like, this is a movie and a half. Also, Tidbit is released on Netflix. Yes, that's sort of the elephant in the room when it comes to yeah. talking about it. It's such a bummer that this is released on Netflix. Yeah. it's. I'm really happy we got to see it in a cinema setting. And so am I, because I think that everyone I know who's watched this film on Netflix has had not as powerful of an experience as we did. God. I mean, everyone's appreciated it because there's so much to love here. But I think that this is a movie that demands your full attention. It demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible, not only because the images are so beautiful. Side note, um, Alfonso was nominated for Best Cinematography for shooting the film. Go him. Go him. Um, but also just because... The story is so... Why would you want to watch it on a TV? Well, it's so like, involving. It demands to be seen in an environment where it pulls you in and where you can be pulled in. And I just can't imagine watching it like on a laptop or on a phone or on a TV at home where like your dog might have to go out or yeah. you might have to pause to make popcorn or something. Yeah. And we're not trying to be snobs, obviously, like watch the movie however you can watch the movie because it's a movie that you need to watch. But it really is a shame that seeing where the future of, like, cinema is going and theaters are having problems and Netflix is emerging as this, like, actual source of quality film and a place that fosters filmmakers and directors and people like Quaron is it's troubling and it's interesting to see where the well, the thing that I don't going. understand is that 
um, Amazon, which is another streaming service, also has films. I mean, they have Amazon Studios, but all of their films they released in theaters. And yeah. granted, you know, Suspiria didn't exactly make big box office numbers, but people who wanted to see it in a theater could seek it out. And I wish that Netflix had done the same because especially with Roma, this movie had so much anticipation and it had such a legendary name behind it mm-hmm. that it would have made them so much money if they had just given it a theatrical run. And not only that, it's just the respect that it deserves from them. I think part of the split between Amazon and theaters and Netflix is only streaming is that because we know Amazon is something else. Like every time I go to Amazon.com, they have to like remind me of like, hey, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Like we do TV and movie stuff too. Netflix Netflix doesn't need to show something in the theater because they're going to get millions of people watching it just by clicking a button and having it available for streaming. Like it's more financially viable and for them to just release it on streaming less you know artistically valid and all this jazz but in terms of i think netflix is doing a lot for accessibility of art you know but it does come as a detriment to that experience yeah and that's a difficult you know incongruity to reckon with like yes. I'm happy more I'm happy that so many people are going to see Roma because with Suspiria the movie that we both loved like three people saw yeah, it and, and we were two of them the other one was the director yeah. <laughs> it's people are going to watch Roma but they're not going to watch it in the way that is best befitting well and the, the thing movie. about Roma is yeah. that if you understand going in that this movie has the capacity to be so powerful and so transformative, you can work to eliminate those distractions, whether it means shutting off all the lights, locking yourself in your bedroom for three hours and watching it on your laptop and then crying for 50 minutes after it's over. You can try to replicate that experience and it's so worth it. Yeah, it's paying attention. It's love. This is a movie that deserves to be loved and I love it. And it's it just makes you think it just makes you cry. It's it's okay. I hate movies that make you cry and then like, oh, tearjerker, you know, like, hey, are you crying yet? This movie so organically and honestly taps into that emotion that I don't feel like it's schmaltzy or anything, which is a big problem I have with, you know, movies that people talk about with it made me cry. Like, this is just coming from such a pure place. Yeah, the filmmaking is just so beautiful and stunning. The only thing that has dwindled for me since I saw it, um, there was a lot of debate online, especially on Twitter, about the way that it views domestic workers, just especially the way that um, Alfonso Cuaron says that this is based on the stories that the domestic worker in his life when he was a child told him. Um, and there's a really good article, I don't remember who put it out, but you can probably find it, that's essentially arguing that um, he's made the mistake of assuming that sh- the character wouldn't really want to aspire to anything more than being a domestic worker, which is not a criticism that I like completely agree with. And yeah. I don't think that it sinks the movie because the movie is still so like transcendent and beautiful and it just envelops you within this story and this place. But I do think that it is sort of a shame that he doesn't necessarily respect the character. Uh, see, 
whenever criticisms like that come up, I'm of two minds because yes, I'm happy that people are talking about the consequences of this work and the platform it's on and what it says, but also I don't, there's a part of me that doesn't really fully buy that because it is coming from this semi-autobiographical place of memory and half remembrances, you know? And I don't think Alfonso Cuaron needs to, like, be... <laughs> I don't think a movie needs to be progressive to be good. And I think this is another thing when people talk about, like, oh, why doesn't this, you know, movie have more have a more diverse cast? And it's like, well, I don't want... I think the answer is to have is to elevate more voices and not look to the voices that are already there of like why aren't you woke enough? But I don't think that this movie is not woke. I don't know. I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I see the criticism. I can appreciate it. I can appreciate understanding and thinking about these things through a more critical lens. However, I do do disagree with that take. And I think we're entrenched in such a take culture. Yes, that I agree with you that. You need to have the, through an intersectional lens, this can be seen as, and I'm a person who has been in those classes, you know? Like, I'm definitely on the side of that genre of criticism. But everything has a but attached. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a valid criticism, and it's one that's taken this, for me, from being... My favorite of his films to probably my third or fourth favorite of his. Um, you I just think like Children of Men. I love Children of Men. <laughs> I love E2 Mama Tambien. And I think even um, just because I'm biased, because it's the best Harry Potter, um, Prisoner of Azkaban, and this are comparable for me. I'm not a Harry Potter kid, and I think this is so much better than E2 Mama Tambien. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. it's. I think it's a wonderful film as far as filmmaking goes i think this is like the best made film that i've maybe ever seen yeah there you go thank you for listening to this episode of double feature i've been annie i am chris and next week we'll be talking about two favorite films of mine (laughs) the favorite and phantom thread thank you until next time